on this verse all week. Uh, so I'll read it, and, and then um, uh, it says here in verse 17, that, uh, Herein is our love made perfect. So this is First John four seventeen. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And so the, the he there is talking about the Lord Jesus, and it says that at the end of that verse, as he is, so are we in this world. And I've just been thinking about this verse really all week and, and about how, uh, you know, this is a true verse, right? And so and one of the things when I read the Word of God, especially a verse like this, I'll, I'll look at it, and, and it's kind of a rhetorical question, but I'll ask the Lord, Lord, is this true? You know, because sometimes you read a verse, like, how can that be true? But th- is this true? Well, it's true, right? Uh, but it's also one of, the, one of these verses that, uh, it, it's a good uh, it's a good verse to see how the word of God works, because this is a true verse uh, because it's written by the by the spirit of God who inspired John, uh, uh, the apostle John to write it uh, for us. But it was inspired by the spirit of God and directed by the Lord Jesus as the head of the church to write these words to us as he is, as Jesus is. So are we in this world? So you, you can start at. Well, how is Jesus? How is Jesus right as he is? So how is Jesus right now? So is Jesus, uh, is he sick? Does Jesus have COVID? Is, is he broke? Is he down? Is he depressed? Is he sad? Is he, is he uh, under pressure? Is he overworked? Well, none of those things are true, right? So, uh, so how is Jesus? Well, he's healed. He's prosperous. He's healthy. He's happy. He's full of joy. So that's how he is. So, uh, but, the, but that's great, right? So if it just said as he is and stop there, well, that's fine. But the second part is so are we in this world. And then you ask, you know, you look around, it's like, but am I that way? You know, I see Jesus. I can, I mean, we all know kind of how Jesus is. Just even if you don't know book, chapter, verse, you, well, it's heaven. So it's all, all well. <clears throat> so you look at your life, you go through the mirror and you look in the mirror. Am I that way? Am I full of joy? Am I, am I perfectly healthy? Am I perfectly prosperous? Am I well fed? And uh, am I just like Jesus? And of course, surely the answer is no, right? Uh, and so then what do you do with a verse like this? Uh, in a verse like this, uh, if you can understand how this verse works, you can really kind of understand how the Word of God works. You know, the Word of God often talks about things that are uh, the way they are in an ideal way, in a way that we could get there, even if we're not there, but we could get there. And so uh, what this verse tells us is if this is true, and it is true, if this verse is true, then I can get there. I can get to be just like Jesus is today in this world. As he is, so are we, right? So are we, not will we, not we will be, not when we get to heaven. He says, so are we in this world right now. So the verse says that we have the capacity with the potential to be there uh, if we want to be. And so, uh, and so that should encourage us to say, well, then it's worth the effort. How do I get there? How do I get to be like Jesus is today? What do I have to change to get to, to be like he is? If he is f- completely free from sickness and disease, and I don't think anybody would argue the point that, no, Jesus is pretty sick in heaven right now. There's a heaven hospital, you know, and they got the little wards there, and you have to wear little gowns and in heaven. you got to check in, and they're all mean to you, right? And, uh, and, and uh, you know, that's how, how heaven is. Well, that's not the way heaven is. There's no hospitals in heaven. There's no ERs, no emergency rooms, no doctors, no surgeries going on in heaven. All is well in heaven, right? That's how Jesus is. So can we be that way? Well, it says we are that way. So, so when we look at our lives, we see, well, Jesus is here. I'm way over here, but it says I can be there. So, so how do we move from where we are to where he is? And that's the question. And the answer is pretty easy. We, we start finding out any area that we're not there, and we apply faith. So if it's, 
you know, an easy one is, is our health. If I'm not there, if, and Jesus is over here, but it says I can be there, so then I must be able to get there. So that's the, the, that's the thing for us is to decide is, can I get there? Do I have the, the right to get there, right? Not do I have the knowledge, understanding, or ability, but do I have the right to get there? And the answer is yes, you absolutely have the right to be just like Jesus is. So then you use your faith, you apply your faith. Well, Lord, if I'm, you know, if I'm mean and grouchy all the time, well, is Jesus mean and grouchy? We should be thankful that he's not, right? Because he'd be like, that's it, you know. And we never want to say, you know, uh, I know when I was growing up, you know, my mom would say, you know, I've had it up to here, right? And once you had it up to here, you're in trouble, right? Up to here, you're good. Up to here, you're bad, right? I've had it up to here. And I never knew, you know, but it, there was never, she never did say, oh, I had it up, you know, I'm doing okay, I'm right here. She never said that, you know, we never, so it was always either nothing or she was here. So we didn't ever know if, you know, if there was, there had to be somewhere in between, but we never knew it, right? And so she, once she had it up to here, you ran and ducked. Uh, and so, but see, Jesus, he never, he's never up to here. And so if he's never up to there, then we can live our lives where we're never there. Amen. That we can we can live our lives. Well, if, if that's how he is, then that's how I can be in this world. So, Lord, help me in that area, whatever that area is. Lord, help me to get from here, wherever this place is, to where Jesus is. Amen. Now, some folks live li- like living over there and that's fine. Right. I mean, it's not fine. It's really kind of dumb. But, you know, uh, people like to live over there sometimes. And, uh, but I want to live over here. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. And so. You know, I think this verse is just a really good verse. I've been meditating on this verse just all week, just from the standpoint of, Lord, this is a true verse. This is true that I can be there. If you said I can be there, then I have the capacity to be there. I have the, the information. I have the knowledge. I have the Word of God. I have the Spirit of God. I have all the tools I need to get there. So, Lord, show me the path to get there. Now, I'd be, I'd be careful of us because if you pray that prayer, he will answer that prayer. And then the first thing I do is he'll send a list. Oh, this right here, this attitude, yeah, you got to get rid of that, you know. This, these things you say over here, you, you got to get rid of that, you know. What you're doing this person over there, you got to stop doing that. Well, Lord, I, you know, I didn't think I'd have to change to get there. Well, <clears throat> are you breathing air? If you're breathing air, you're going to have to change, amen, because none of us look like the Lord Jesus yet. So, uh, but I just was thinking about that verse, and it's just a really good verse because it summarizes so much of how the Word of God works. And it's such a, it's such a contrast, right, because uh, our measurement is Jesus himself. However he is, I can be that way uh, in this world, right? I don't have to wait till I'm dead. And, you know, it, when we all die, it's easy when we're dead, right? Uh, we go to heaven and all is well. Uh, but, uh, but I can do that today in this world. And I think that's great news. I think that's good news. Amen. And so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. And uh, he said he'd lead us and guide us in all truth, show us things to come. That's a pretty good deal, right? And so, you know, the, the Christian life, we have the, the right to live a life without surprises, you know, without uh, uh, things just throwing us for a loop. And, um, you know, that's the, kind of the ideal, but uh, it's something we could strive for. Amen. And um, um, I remember years ago, a friend of mine, um, he's a good Christian, you know, born again, spirit filled and tongue talking and all these things. And but there was a season, like every, every time he did anything, he'd smash his finger or, you know, bump his head or just something, you know, just all the time hurting himself. And I asked him one time, I said, have you, have you talked to the Lord about that? Because if it happened more than once, I, you know, I'd go to the Lord and say, Lord, what's up? You know, one time it's like, well, you know, I just, you know, wasn't paying attention or something, you know. But if it's twice, you know, Lord, what's up? 
because he said he'd take care of me, right? And so I always go to him. And I, now, I never think that he's doing something wrong. Maybe his angels were, you know, asleep or at the wheel or, you know, maybe they're on strike or something, you know, maybe they're trying to unionize or something in heaven. Yeah, I never think anything that it's on their end. It's something on my end, right? Maybe I wasn't awake or maybe, I, you know, something, right? And it doesn't always have to be sin. It just be, you know, maybe you're not aware. Maybe he tried to tell you and, uh, and um, um, you know, <laughs> it's... Uh, um, uh, it's just, uh, well, we can talk about that some other time maybe, but uh, uh, anyway, praise God. The Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so, um, why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew. We get started there today. We've been talking about the Beatitudes, and uh, we ain't in any hurry to get anything done. We're not in any hurry, right? So, um, uh, we just keep on going when, you know, sometimes the Lord, the Lord will just encourage me to go on, do something else, and it's fine, but... Um, um, I think we've been learning some good things here, so we'll just keep on in this direction until the Lord says it's time to do something else. Amen. Uh, and uh, my heart's desire is to always preach and teach the things that he wants me to preach and teach because he knows what we need. Amen. I don't know what we need. He knows what we need. And so uh, my, my faith and desire with the Lord is to teach things that we need to hear. Amen. Uh, and, um, and I've had plenty of times where people come to me and and say, you know, that was the exact same thing. That was exactly the thing that I needed to hear today. Uh, and then other times I've had people say that you're not teaching us anything. And, and um, you know, and I just feel sorry for folks like that. Because if I'm reading the Bible, surely you can get something out of the Bible, right? If I read maps, you can surely get something out of me reading maps, right? If you're not getting anything at all, you know, I, I think you probably need to get a bigger mirror. Is my, 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 my opinion in that, right? So anyway, so uh, we're here in the Beatitudes. And uh, we got down to verse 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And to me, this has got to be one of the most important uh, of the Beatitudes because you get to see God. Amen? I mean, if you're mourning and, and, and uh, He comforts you, that's great. That's awesome, right? Uh, and uh, if you're poor in spirit, you get the kingdom of heaven. That's great, you know. But seeing God's got to be way up there, right? I mean, seeing God operate in your life, seeing God in, in everything that you do, uh, that has got to be surely a... a a goal for our lives. And he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we're blessed if we're pure in heart, and we get to see God if we're pure in heart. So all of the Beatitudes have a blessing, a general blessing, but also a specific blessing. In this case, they shall see God. So if you're not pure in heart, how much of God are you going to see in your life? Uh, you're not going to see much of God in your life. But being pure in heart is not what, it, uh, and we've been talking about this for a while, it's not what happens when you get born again? And we've been going through the scriptures, and we don't, we can't go back through all the scriptures. But uh, at the end of the day, we got to remember that your heart is not the same thing as your spirit. When you're born again, your spirit is made brand new. It is pure. Your spirit has no errors in it. There's no problems in it. it can't be possessed. Can't. Uh, there, nothing can happen bad to your spirit, man. Once it gets born again, it's sealed by the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption. Uh, and the, you know, there's a lot of flaky stuff out there in the church. But the Word of God says you're sealed by the Holy Ghost when you get saved. You're a brand new creature created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So you're brand new on the inside. Your spirit man's brand new, sealed by God. And, then, and, it's, and it has to be made brand new because once you get saved, the Spirit of God comes and dwells in your spirit. So the Holy Spirit's not going to dwell in the presence of sin. And that's the whole, if you go through the whole plan of redemption, that's the whole goal of the plan of redemption. The whole goal of the plan of redemption was to get your spirit made brand new so it was qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. And so once it receives the Holy Spirit, uh, once it gets born again, then it gets pure and it's qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. But that's your spirit. But this is talking about your heart. 
So there's a, there's a little bit of a nuance in the, in the Word of God, and the heart is talked about in hundreds of scriptures in the Word of God in, in the New Testament. Uh, and it, it would be to our advantage to understand what that is. So uh, what we've been showing uh, through the Word of God is that your heart, the, the, heart of, uh, the root of your heart is really your will. Uh, so that's in the soulless realm, your mind, your will, and emotions are your soul. So whatever your will hooks up with, that determines the quality of your heart. So if your will hooks up with your spirit, that's a pure heart. So if you always yielded to your spirit, man, you're good all the time. I mean, if you did everything your spirit told you to do, you're good. Your spirit will never lead you astray, never give you wrong information, never tell you anything to do wrong. It will always be perfect if you're born again. And if you're not born again, you roll the dice, right? But if you're, if you're born again, spirit's, spirit's good. It's on its way to heaven, sealed by God. Amen. Uh, and so if your will, if you choose an act of your will to say, okay, my spirit wants me to do this. I'm going to go do that. My spirit doesn't want me to do that. I'm not going to do that. You're good. You'll see God in your life every day. Uh, but the Bible talks about several different uh, scenarios of our heart. And so we, we've been talking about several of them. And let's turn over to, um, to the book of James. And I was thinking about this uh, just the uh, last few days. So that would be really helpful to get some more understanding in that area. So in James uh, chapter uh, 1 here. Of course, it talks about a, a doubting heart, a, doubt, a double mind there earlier there. But I wanted to get down to verse 27 again and just mention this one. Uh, it says, uh, well, in, in 26 there, if any man among you seem to be religious, uh, seem to be religious, you know, that how many people, you know, seem to be religious, right? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I've got a friend of mine, uh, traveling minister, and, um, of course, uh, as a traveling minister, she gets to see pastors all over the country. And, and she has told me story after story where they have ripped her off, stolen money for her, said, hey, I've got a great investment for you, and just steal all of her money. I mean, pre- preachers, right, seem to be religious. Uh, and uh, we're not going to ask for hands of how many have seen people like that in the church, right? Pastors. I'm not talking about, you know, I mean, sheep, you can't, you know, sheep, are, you know, there's, there's, uh, your organs find a bad sheep every now and then, but, but ministers seem like they just, they ought to be a little better. I know, you know what I'm saying? They just seem like they ought to be a little higher standard, amen? And yet, uh, as far as I can tell, they do the, all the same dumb things that anybody else does, uh, unkind things. But if any man seems to be religious and brighteth not his tongue, uh, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So this is talking to the church, that we have the ability as, as a Christian to have a deceived heart. And you think about that, that's really odd, right? Because if our spirit is made brand new, sealed by the God, it contains the Holy Spirit, how could we ever be deceived? We can be deceived because we choose to not see the truth, amen? And I was just thinking about this analogy. You know, deception, the problem with being deceived is how do you know? I mean, how do you know you're deceived, right? Because that's the whole point of being deceived is you think you know, but you don't know. You ever known people like that? Oh, that's 100% this way. You know, that's not even close, right? You ever met people? I mean, no, just, I mean, just, almost swear up and down that, yeah, that's 100% right. It's like, you know, that's not even close to right, amen? Uh, and, and so uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, one time me and Jared were, were hanging up a, a picture, uh, and uh, I bought this brand-new fancy uh, level. It had a level on it. It had a tape measure. It had, uh, uh, I don't know what else it had on it, a laser light on it. I mean, it made coffee. It was awesome, right? And so we got this, I thought, this do everything, right? Because, you know, I have a whole toolbox just for hanging up pictures because, you know, in my house, you know, pictures, they're, mo- they're, they're mobile, right? They'd be up here next one day, over here the next day, you know. I mean, I should just put wheels on them. But, 
Uh, so I got this, this it's all, it's a, my, I call it my picture hanging toolbox. It's got a hammer, it's got levels, it's got all this stuff on it, lasers and, you know, all this stuff. And I thought, well, I can replace a bunch of things with this one tool, right? So it's awesome. And so we get up there, we get this fancy, we get to use a tape measure, you know, we get it all leveled up perfect, you know. And then we're looking at it, it's like, you know, it looks, it just looks a little off. So I got the level, put it back up on the picture, perfect. You know, I mean, it's exactly right. But you look at it, it's go. It doesn't seem right, though. I mean, if you stand kind of like this, you know, it was perfect, right? But, you know, uh, but when you look at it, it's like, well, it can't be wrong because the level says it's right. And, and so, uh, so how do you know? So you go get the level that I've used for years that you know is right. And so you put that level on there and it's like, well, this thing's not even close. But the, but the level that we bought, the fancy level I bought was wrong, which is funny because that's only got one job is to be level, right? It only has one, one purpose in life is to be right. And it was completely right. It was so bad. It was like, a, I mean, a quarter of an inch off at one end of it, maybe more than that. Uh, and, and so, you know, you got to toss that. But, but then, but you ask, how do, how do you know? How do you know you're deceived? How do you know when your heart's deceived? How, did, how would that level know it's wrong? Because, I mean, if you asked it, which, you, of course, you wouldn't ask it, you know, if you saw me talking to a level, you'd probably think there's other problems wrong with me, but there are, it would be, right? But if you ask, are you right? Oh, yeah, look. The bubble's there in the middle, got a little line there. It's perfect, right? It can't be wrong. But, but the only way you can tell is you have to compare it to an absolute. And that's where people in the church have the hardest time, for some reason, is, is, uh, is believing that the Word of God is absolute. The Spirit of God is absolute. This is our only absolute. In the whole earth, this is the only thing that's guaranteed right is the Word of God. Uh, and that's the only way we can tell if we're ever deceived is to compare what we think with the Word of God. Because what we think comes and goes, amen? I mean, it's just every, every generation has squirrely thoughts. Uh, even in the church, they have some of the craziest doctrines shows up. You know, uh, well, First John is not written to the church. Where did that come from, right? And, but that's a, that's a current doctrine in the church, right? Uh, and so, well, how do you know? How do you know when you're deceived? You've got to go back to the Word of God. It, it, do, uh, uh, do the things that I believe line up with the Word of God? And, and if they don't, then you throw them out. Well, that's how I feel doesn't matter well that's what i believe it doesn't matter well that's the way i was taught it doesn't matter that's what i want to be true but that's even worse right because a lot of times people that's what i want you know people all the time second guessing god well why didn't he do it this way well you know when you're god you can make your own decisions but he's god he created the universe i think he's worthy to be worshiped amen he created us he created us from dirt amen can you do that Uh, can you do anything like like god can do you know, if you go back and, and look at the whole uh, story with Job, especially from chapters 38 through uh, 42, God starts asking Job, can you do these things? Can you make the wind move and can you make the thunders clap and can you uh, create uh, animals and do all these things? Can you do any of these things? And, and he asks Job all these questions and finally Job's like, uh, no. But it took him like 40 chapters to figure it out. Because he was the richest man of the East. He thought he could do everything. And sometimes we as human beings, because we have the Internet, and so we know everything. You know, and, and because it's, it's on the Internet, you know it's all true, right? Everything on the Internet is true. And Facebook is where you should go to find out the absolute truth. Right? Because everything on Facebook is true, right? When they tell you this is absolute, oh, yeah, I believe it, you know. You know, uh, when, when uh, all the controversy, when, when Joe Biden was elected, there was people I know, actually, I know, who, who said these words. They said, Joe Biden is a clone. He's not a real human. He is actually a clone. In the, he's not a real. He's clone. In the, and, and Nancy Pelosi has already been arrested by the military. 
and she's off in some prison somewhere that we don't know, and, you know, there's going to be a coup, and, and I'm thinking, you really believe that? I mean, they really believe, anybody, you know, I want to see that, actually, I do want to see, anybody really believe that Joe Biden was a clone? <laughs> I mean, you think about the technology, just, you know, from a practical standpoint, it, it's not even possible to clone a human being, right? Uh, and yet, and, and besides that, they would have had to have the foresight to clone him 80 years ago, right? Or was he 100 years old now? Uh, clone him 100 years ago. Well, you know, the technology didn't exist 100 years ago, right? Uh, and so, but people believe that. I mean, people I got, got college degrees, been in church since forever. He's a clone. Well, how, do you, how can you get to a point where you believe that? Because I want to believe what I want to believe. And I, and I refuse to compare what I believe with the word of God. And I know there's nothing in the Bible that says Joe Biden is not a clone. But the, the Bible says, uh, let the ignorant be ignorant still. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, don't be dumb, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, I mean, some things just, uh, that's just weird, right? Uh, so how do, you, how do you get out of a deceived heart? You've got to be willing to compare everything you believe, everything you think, to an absolute standard. And the only absolute standard we have is the Word of God. It's not the church, not my doctrine. It's what the Word of God says. Amen. And if you're willing to do that, see, then, then you can live in truth. Because there's so many people who hate the truth. You know, they have such a, a strained relationship with the truth. In the church, you know, people in the church who just lie all the time. I just lie. Uh, yeah, I'll be there. You know, and they know they're not planning on being there. I know things happen sometimes, but, you know, uh, can you help me? Oh, yeah. And they never, they never plan on helping. They, they know they won't help you. Well, I just say that, you know. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's amazing, right? Uh, and so are you willing to compare everything you think to an absolute standard? See, that poor little level who's now somewhere in, in the, the, bo- the bottom of the Ray Canyon land- landfill uh, uh, didn't have an absolute. It thought it was correct. And it, it, and it would have you know, gone to jail before it said I was wrong. But then you compare it to another standard, and it's like, but that you're wrong. You're, you're absolutely wrong. Amen. You're deceived. You think you're right, but you're wrong. Uh, in fact, I was talking to someone one time they they were giving me a riot act you know they were telling me about how sorry of a pastor i was and i don't teach anything and you know i'm the way i run my church is wrong and i mean it's like wow you really got a lot of opinions you know uh at one another person was doing that to me one time telling me how sorry i was and all this and they kept on going and finally i said could you write all that down because i'm i've lost you know count and, and it would be helpful if you just send me an email of all the things i'm doing wrong and they got of course that made him mad you know uh and and but this person went on and on about how i was wrong and this and wrong and that and and after, the, you know, it was two or three minutes of all the things that I'm doing wrong. And, and finally, I looked at him and I said, I said, you know, there's a thousand reasons why everything you said is wrong. Of course, that made him twice as mad, but it was. It was true because I could go through the word of God point by point and say, you're wrong because of this. You're wrong because when people say you're wrong, they don't give you book, chapter, verse where you're just wrong. You know, one of the things that we're wrong because we don't have a men's fellowship. OK, praise God. You want to lead it, you know, uh, but see, I didn't argue the point because I'm not going to argue with, with foolish people. But I'm thinking, you got a book, chapter, and verses, thou shalt have a men's fellowship in a church. Is there any Bible for that? Anything wrong with having a men's fellowship? Nothing wrong, in, nothing wrong in the world with having a men's fellowship. But is it a requirement that the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, has established that the church should have? There's nothing in the Word of God that says you should have a men's fellowship. Now, there's nothing wrong with having them, of course. Uh, you know, we can fellowship however we want to. But to be so adamant about something that you, thou shalt have a men's fellowship organization in a church, otherwise you're wrong, is not based on any absolute standard. The only absolute standard I see is the Word of God. And really, the Word of God is very, you know, it doesn't really tell us a lot of things we should do about how to run a church. You know, there's a lot of leeway that we have in, in running the church. 
Uh, and so, you know, they could say, well, I'd really like to have one. Fine. You want to lead it and call everybody up and schedule it and plan it. And, you know, uh, and, you know it's just not much work. But, you know, I, I ran uh, men's fellowship for my pastor for many years. Uh, and so, uh, and I'm not opposed to having one. If you guys want to have one, hey, praise God. Because, you know, I, from what I hear, women get together so they can eat, you know. And, and I like to eat. So, you know, if we want to get together and eat, you know, that's fine. Uh, but that's not the point of that discussion. The point was, you know, they were 100% right. But they had no... no uh, absolute that they were measuring what they said against amen uh, and so, and that's and so if you want to get out of a deceived heart is start comparing what you believe and say and think to the word of god and that'll show you if you're deceived because if 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 everything you think believe oh yeah that's what yeah, that's in, i found that right in that word that's in the word of god that's in the word of god but if you start comparing what you what you see to the word of god you realize wow that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong you know maybe you were deceived all those years thinking that you're the only one right uh, you ever met anybody who knows that everything they think is right? I mean, I know lots of people who think that uh, everything they think is right. And, you know, it's hard to, to, hard to work around people like that, you know. Uh, so, so anyway, that, that was, uh, that, that was uh, uh, the deceived heart right there. And let's turn over to, um, um, uh, let's see. Well, we can turn over to the book of Hebrews here. Um, yeah, let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. We've got a couple places we can go here now all of these conditions of the heart are are conditions that a christian a child of god can have and so uh you know some people think well christians are, are perfect well if christians were perfect there wouldn't be a need for much of the bible if you read the bible what you find out is 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 most of the bible is talking about you straightening up talking to you to to live like god wants you to live talking to you to think like god thinks you know there, there are things that say go on to all the world to preach the gospel uh, and those are things that we should be doing. But much of the word of God is talking to you about here's how to straighten up. And that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. But uh, because the more, again, the more we have a pure heart, the more we get to see God operating in our life. Uh, and so here we are in, um, um, let's see. Well, we've got a couple places I'm going to get to. But um, go back up a little bit there. Yeah, let's go to chapter 3, verse 12. Um, so, of course, all of chapter 3 is good, and we're going to be spending a little time in chapter 3 here. But this is one particular type of heart that I wanted to mention. Uh, again, the book of Hebrews is written to the church, written to us as Christians. And it says, take heed, brethren, so that we know for sure he's emphasizing that he's talking to the church, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So here, here's the writer telling the church, be careful. You could have an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Of course, the, the, the point is, before that, uh, he was talking about using the nation of Israel as an example about how they harden the heart. Uh, but here he's talking to the church, that the church can have an evil heart of unbelief. Now, if they're the church, where are they going when they die? They go to heaven, right? But that same person going to heaven could still have an evil heart of unbelief. How is that possible? Well, it's possible because it's right there, right? And so uh, that, that's where sometimes people have a hard time, you know, in the church because they will, I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites there, you know, and all these bad people. And well, that may be true, but where are you going to go where you can't find bad people? You ever been to Walmart? I mean, just go to Walmart, you know, and, and I mean, the, you know, you see some really good people and you see some people like, where did you come from? And you, uh, you ever the Black Friday? I used to go on Black Friday, you know, before I got smart and I'd go to Black Friday and be like, where are you people from? I, I, I lived in this town for 20 years. I've never seen any of you all. I've been to Walmart hundreds of, where, where do you live the other 364 days of the year? 
And so, and just mean and just fighting over a, a, over a movie, over a TV, or just like, wow. Mostly you go just to watch and observe, you know, because it's, it's pretty interesting to see all that. But um, So he's telling the church that we can have, it's possible for us to have an evil heart of unbelief. That, and that, to me, that's amazing, right? Because what are we called? We're called Christians, but we're also called believers. And yet he says we can be uh, people that have an evil heart of unbelief. And so what does the Lord think about uh, hearts of unbelief? What's he call them? Calls them evil, right? So is that a good thing? Surely not a good thing, right? And so we talked, you know, last week a little bit about a doubting heart. Now, a doubting heart is when your mind goes, you know, I just don't know. I mean, over here, I can see what God's saying, you know, but over here, you know, people aren't living that. So, I mean, which way do you go? I mean, uh, you know, so, so the, you got two opinions and you kind of like, you just don't know. And so you don't make a decision, right? And so that, that's a doubting heart, right? Uh, uh, James chapter one says it's a, de- a double-minded man. Uh, and he says, if you're double-minded, you shall receive nothing of the Lord. So the problem with being double-minded, a double-minded or, or doubting heart is you're, you're never in faith. But, you know, a doubting heart is fairly easy to fix. Just make a decision. Decide, okay, God's absolute. And if he says it, then it's so. If, you, if I don't understand it, if I, even if I'm not there, if it's so, it's so. And, you know, that'll fix getting you uh, out of a double-minded uh, heart, Right. But a, 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 an evil heart of unbelief is different because an evil heart of unbelief is your will has decided that God is not so in whatever area, right? So now you're a Christian, but you don't believe everything the Word of God says. So, you know, an easy example is the doctrine of healing. Uh, how many scriptures are there related to the doctrine of healing? Hundreds, right? I mean, literally hundreds. There's over 400. We've got a book, right? We went through the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. There's like 450 Versus just on healing. Uh, and every one of them point to the same thing. God wants to heal you. Heal your body. Every single time, there's never an exception that God wants to heal you. That's the only conclusion you could come to if you read all those verses. The only conclusion you come to, God wants to heal our bodies. Every single time, there's never a case where he goes, yeah, I want them to be sick. Yeah, I want them to have cancer. Yeah, uh, I, I hope they die with that. It, it, never. Not a single time. That's the only conclusion you could come to. Uh, and yet, people will look at you and, and they, they read the Bible. They know the Bible. God doesn't heal. And yet, the Word of God plainly say, states that God... In fact, He says uh, there, there are like seven covenant names of God. Jehovah something uh, in the Old Testament. And one of them is Jehovah Rapha. That's the Hebrew words. Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Not I will be, not I was, not I sometimes am. I am. That's who He is. It's not what He does. It's who He is. It's a covenant name of God. And they'll look at you like, God doesn't heal. Uh, and they know the Bible. Yeah, but he doesn't heal. See, that's unbelievable. I have decided that having reviewed the scriptures that are clear and plain, I have decided that they are wrong. And, and the book of Hebrews says that's an evil heart. Now, I didn't say it. You know, God called it an evil heart. Of unbelievable. I have decided that God doesn't do what he says. And so doubt is, I'm not sure. Unbelief is, I know he doesn't do it. And, and that is a tough place to be, right? That, that's a tough place, uh, that's a tough place uh, to live in, right? Uh, because he said in the same chapter there, uh, in verse 16, it says, for, for some when they heard did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, and to whom swear uh, he that they should not enter into rest, but them, to them that believed not. So one of the results of not believing it is deciding not to, to say that God is not so, is you'll never find rest in your life. You never live in the rest of God because the whole point of everything is, is we can be at rest because our enemies are defeated. 
God has provided everything. Our sin has been uh, paid for. We're good. We can, be re- we can rest in this life uh, in, in all eternity. And he said, if you're unbelief, you can never find that rest. Uh, and that's, that's a tough place to be, right? And let's look at one, one other thing here about, uh, let's turn over to uh, Mark chapter 6. And we, I know we know with a story here, but um, um, it, it's an interesting uh, story here. Uh, it says here, that, so now, uh, let's just start in verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. So his own country is Nazareth there. And his disciples followed him. So this is Jesus, right? He's going to his own country. He's going back home. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which was given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So his, his family members, his, his people in his own hometown know what he's doing. He's doing mighty works, those supernatural miracle works. Uh, and, he, and he's got great and amazing wisdom. And like, who, who is this guy? We knew him. We played softball with him or baseball with him growing up. And isn't not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and, and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him or repelled by him. Can you imagine getting repelled by Jesus? Offended at Jesus? That's like getting offended at a baby seal, right? I mean, he never did anybody any wrong. And, and Jesus said, of course, Jesus said, I'm sorry, boys. You know, I'll try to tone it down. You know, uh, uh, what can I do to make it up? You know, can we just go to lunch or something? You know, can, uh, no. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin. So he's obviously from Tennessee, right? Kent, right? And in his own house. So he not only called the people in his city on the carpet, he called out his own family members on the carpet, and he called his own household. That's Mary and his sisters, right? And his brothers. I mean, he called them all on the carpet. That should have been made it really nice the next time they had Thanksgiving dinner, right? But what was the result? It said, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folks and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. So, so what's the result of having unbelief? He could there do no mighty works. Now, was Jesus limited? Did he suddenly, he's like, man, I, boys, I ain't got it today. No, everywhere Jesus went, he had it, right? Everywhere he went, you could raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, uh, uh, make the blind see, deaf hear, anywhere he went. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 5, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal him. Well, why was the power of the Lord present to heal him? Because Jesus showed up. Everywhere Jesus went, he had the power to heal everybody, every single person, raise everybody from the dead that the Lord wanted them to raise from the dead. No problem. Ne- never a limit, a, a concern on the lack of power. But because of their unbelief, they were, he was unable to. He said he could there. Not that he wouldn't. He said he couldn't. And, you know, you've got to read that. And I've read this to people and they go, that it, it, it can't be what it says. I didn't write it. It's what it says. He could there. In other words, he was unable to. Not because of a lack of power, but because of their unbelief. Their unbelief short-circuited God's ability to move. And if there is unbelief in our hearts, whatever that unbelief is, it will short-circuit God's ability to move in that until we decide to deal with it, right? Until we take our will and go, you know, maybe God is a healer. Maybe God does heal. Maybe Jesus is. See, their will was, uh, this can't be the Son of God. Uh, I don't believe this is the Son of God. I, I choose not to believe that this is the Son of God, the Messiah. Because I grew up with Him. 
So they make, you know, unbelief always make excuses. Well, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. Doesn't matter. What's the word of God say? The word of God says he's the healer. The word of God says he's the Messiah. If you look at Jesus and he, and he and, you know, to me, it's amazing how there's any Jewish person not a Christian. Because there's so many prophecies in their, in their scriptures of Jesus that he fulfilled exactly according to what it says. So how could you not be a Christian? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Evil heart of unbelief, right? I choose not to believe it. And, and that choice will cause the power of God to be limited in your life. Now, he could do little things. He, says he healed a few, and the original language is uh, a few sickly folks. You know, toe ache, maybe a headache. You know, not, not a migraine. That's too much, but maybe a small headache, right? You know, and, and only on, on your left foot, but not your right foot toe, right? You know, so small things, right? Sickly folks, right? Well, I got a little upset stomach. Oh, we can take care of that. You know, I've got cancer. Sorry, boys. Uh, it's, it can't go that far today, right? Uh, so, so no mighty works, right? No, no, no blind eyes open, no ears open, no, no dead raised, no lepers cleansed. Small things, right? Uh, at least they got a few small things, but their unbelief hindered God. You think about that. Your will has the capacity to hinder God moving in your life because your will is always sovereign. You get to choose how much God operates in your life. You get to choose how much God doesn't operate in your life. It's 100% your choice. Not my choice, not your neighbor's choice, not the churches that you went to church choice. It's always your choice. Nobody else's choice. Uh, and the nice thing is, if you can choose to, to have unbelief, you can choose not to have unbelief. It's really a simple choice. Uh, you know, it's not confusing. You've looked at the evidence and you said, that's wrong. All you got to do is go back to the same evidence and go, okay, now it's right. Now, the thing about the Word of God, it's always right. Well, I don't believe it. Doesn't matter. It's still so. I don't believe Jesus is coming back. Doesn't matter. He's still coming back. Well, I don't believe God, Jesus paid for anybody's sins. Doesn't matter. He did. You know, it's a nice thing when, you're, when you live in the absolutes of the Word of God. When people have doubt and unbelief, doesn't bother me at all. Well, I don't believe that. Not my problem. That's what it says. If it says that God is, is my healer, then God's my healer. Well, you know, uh, you, you can't believe that. Sure, watch. I believe it. That's really all there is to it. I choose to believe it. You know, and people have hard, such a hard time with belief. It's just, it, it, did he say it? If he said it, then it's so. That's really, it's really simple. Belief is really simple. Did God say it? Then it's so. Uh, so an evil heart of unbelief has made a decision. I choose not to believe. I looked at the evidence and it's not so. Uh, and, you know, I, I've dealt with, with people like that. Um, uh, there was a, a fellow we knew. We had a Bible study one time. And um, uh, he was one of these folks that just said, you know, if you if God does miracles today, you think somebody would have one uh, captured on YouTube. I mean, there's a billion hours of stuff on YouTube. Surely somebody captured a miracle on YouTube. And so I don't know about that. And, and, And so I went through and said, well, you know, God's healed me dozens of times supernaturally. Right. And I went through, you know, just testimony after testimony of how God healed me, had this prayed, it went away. Had this, prayed, it went away. You know, just time after time. Uh, and um, he said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You know, he said, I need, I need to see it to believe it. Uh, and, and so I, I read him uh, Matthew chapter 12. It says in verse 39, Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. That's pretty tough words right there, right? An evil and a, I have to have a sign to believe that God is so. That's great. You're an evil and adulterous generation. Now, I didn't write it. Who wrote it? Who said it? Jesus said it, right? So Jesus, is it so that an evil and adulterer, I have to have a sign? That's pretty hard, hard words, right? Because Jesus obviously didn't, didn't uh, uh, read, read the book about how to win friends and influence people, right? Uh, but that's what he said. 
If you, if you have to have a sign, if you, if you demand that God proves that he exists, he said that's an evil and adulterous generation. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and, and I told him that. Now, I, I know those are harsh words, but you know, I've known this fellow for years. And I said, well, this is, if, if you're demanding God prove to you, this is what God says about you. And, and he read that and he goes, he said, I still want to see a sign. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, an evil heart of unbelief, right? Uh, and really, uh, it, let's, go back to, let's go back to the Hebrews uh, chapter 3, and we'll just kind of start here. Uh, now, you know, the reason why we're teaching these things is because he said these are aspects that a Christian could have, right? An evil heart of unbelief. But then, then he goes on. Uh, we read uh, there in verse 12. But if you go back up to verse 8 there, it says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So now uh, 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 another aspect of the heart is to have a hard heart. So an evil heart of unbelief says, I have made a decision. You know, God is wrong. Uh, and so, uh, but he said that you can also harden your hearts. He said, don't do that. And he goes down to verse 15. It says, uh, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Uh, in, verse, uh, in the next chapter, verse, four, uh, verse 7, it says, uh, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying to David, today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts. So uh, if, you, if you look at the progression of, of a heart, if it's going in the wrong direction, you know, it's going to start out with a, a doubting heart. Uh, then it's going to get to an evil heart of unbelief. But the worst possible place you can get to as a Christian is to have a hard heart. Uh, because if you have a hard heart, nothing can change it. It doesn't matter if you show them a thousand scriptures. It doesn't matter if you, if you, show, you know, uh, show your own life. You know, I was, I was telling Chris... Uh, the other day, he said, because um, we were somewhere, we, I guess we were at Lowe's, right? And they said, uh, isn't your husband a pastor? And she said, yeah, and I wasn't there. Uh, and uh, so they had a, a small conversation about that. Uh, and I was telling her, you know, I'm glad people in, in Dayton know that I'm a pastor. Because I'm a good person, right? And, and I want to be a good example. I want to be a good uh, te- uh, uh, testimony of how good a Christian and child of God can be. Especially in the ministry. Uh, because I think when, when, when I get around people, uh, they can see how much I care about them. And, it's, and not, I'm not trying to uh, you know, brag of myself. I'm just, you know, I want to be a testimony to the Lord Jesus and how good he is. And so I'm glad when people know that I, because there's a lot of other ministers I, I'm hoping, I hope nobody knows they're a minister because, you know, they're a cheat and a liar and a thief, right? Uh, don't everybody know, I hope no one knows they're in the church, right? But for me, I'm glad people know that I'm a pastor because I want them to know that God is good. That, that people of, of the God can be honest and, and do right and not lie and cheat and steal every time. Uh, and so, uh, and so uh, but when you get to a hard heart, see, you know, a hard heart, uh, what he's talking about in, earlier there in chapter 8 there, uh, they were provoking God. And no matter, you, you think about it, they, they were with, with the Lord and they saw all the ten miracles of Egypt. Spectacular miracles. I mean, you know, the Nile turning red and, you know, locusts and frogs and hail. And I mean, amazing, you know, wasn't these little things like, you know, uh, all the lights turn green for me today. Oh, okay, that's great. You know, I mean, that's not the same level as the Nile turning red, but, you know, that's, that's wonderful, right? Uh, but they saw these amazing things and it's like, it doesn't matter. And two weeks into the wilderness, like God just brought us here to die. Uh, and, and, just, and so it didn't matter how many miracles God did for them. They're like, you know, you know we don't, we don't, you know. God's not. God's brought us out here to die. Didn't matter how much goodness God showed to them, they just would not change. 
And see, that's a hard heart. See, that's past unbelief. That's like, no matter what God does, you will not change. Uh, and, and, you know, here's the thing about the will. See, that's all wrapped up in your will. That's all, you know, I just, I'm, it doesn't matter what, what anybody says, I am not changing. See, that's a hard heart. And so that's really dumb because, yeah, you, you know, I, I used to, and, and, I, and you know, I, I, don't mean, I don't say this to, to hurt anybody's feelings or anything, uh, but, you know, you get people that, you know, all, all the new technology, right? So, you know, you got cell phones, right? And you know, everything is a smartphone. Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't use a smartphone. Okay, fine, you know. What do you got? I got a flip phone. Okay, well, you know, I call this Amish phones, right? Because, you know, they only do three things. Now, look, no, I, I could care less what you, what you, you I, none of my business, I don't care at all, right? But the, my question is, why'd you stop? I mean, you know, you know, 100 years ago, you had smoke signals, right? You had telegraphs. And then Alexander Graham Bell came up with the, the, the telephone, right? And you had to have a wire. Anybody remember Ma Bell, right? You had the one black phone in the house, right? It weighed 1,000 pounds. And, I mean, you could use it for a hammer, you know, made out of that big, heavy plastic. And, and had the rotary dial, you know, you know, you never wanted friends who had nines in their phone number, right? Because, like, oh, right? You wanted your friends all have numbers, you know, 111, right? That's perfect, right? You dial them really fast. And then they got push-button phones. Wow. You know, you, just, you know, you dial it, you know, as fast as you want to. And then it got cordless phones, right? Wow. I mean, you know, don't you have a cone, a, a, a cord? Of course, the antenna was this long, right? You, you know, hang on. And let me, hang on. You know, you're walking around, you know, you're knocking all the, all the, wind, all the lights off, you know. And, and, and then they got cell phones. And, and I got my first cell phone in 1997, right? A uh, dollar a minute. Remember those days? A dollar a minute to talk in a cell phone. Uh, and, but it kept, and, you know, everybody went along. Well, I don't text. Okay, fine. Why'd you stop? I mean, you got a phone, right? You, you can talk to somebody anywhere in the world, you know, almost for free. Yeah, and, and, but why'd you stop right there? See, people just stop. Well, I ain't moving past that. Well, why not? I, I never had to, Why'd you stop there? You know, if you don't need a smartphone, fine. Don't get it. I don't care. You know, it's none of my business. But why'd you stop? You ask yourself, why'd you stop, right? Well, I ain't learning that. Well, you learned that. You learned how to drive. You learned how to read. You learned how to eat. I mean, you know, I mean, why'd you stop? Why, why do we stop doing that? I never, you know, I ain't stopped until I'm dead. I'll, you know, on my deathbed, I'd be like, hey, you got to, uh, let me go read about that. You know, I'm going to watch something on YouTube, fix out, figure, figure out how to fix something, right? Uh, why, why do we stop? Yeah. Well, we stop because we get, uh, our hearts get, we get stubborn, right? And, and the root of a hard, a hard heart is stubbornness. Now, stubbornness can be and should be a good thing. We should be stubborn to do what the Lord says. We, when the Bible says, don't do that, I ain't doing that. Well, you should do it. I ain't doing that. See, that's a good way. Stubbornness is okay if it's for the Lord. But stubbornness, when the Lord says, hey, I, need you, I ain't doing that. But it says to do it. I ain't doing that. But it says you should do that. Yeah, but I ain't doing it. See, that's a stubborn. That's stubborn. And it, and it becomes a hard heart. And nothing in the whole universe, not even God, can change a hard heart. Uh, and, and that is to the church. He's writing, he's writing this to church, right? Do not harden your heart. So who chooses to harden our hearts? We do, right? We see, see, the Lord wants us to have, in fact, in Ezekiel 36, he prophesies, I will take a stony heart out of you, and I'll put a heart of flesh in you. See, he wants us to have a supple, uh, fleshy, soft, pliable heart when the Lord says, hey, do this. Our response, oh, I'll be glad to do that, Lord. Hey, stop doing that. Oh, I'll be glad to do that. Hey, start doing that. Lord, I'll be glad to do that. Uh, uh, hey, go help that person over there. Yeah, no, no problem, Lord. Because, you know, he'll, he'll ask you to help the person that, you, you, the least person you want to help ever. 
right? Hey, go help them. Uh, and then sometimes, I ain't doing it, Lord. No, I ain't doing it. Uh, and, and, and so I, I want to talk just a little bit more about a hard heart because this is the hardest place that a Christian can get to, a Christian, right, that can get to a point with it. Now, it's not the, their entire heart is hard. It's wherever area that we have, we, have, we have planted our feet and we said, I will not change no matter what. Well, that's a hard heart. Uh, and Jesus, said that, that, that's worse than an evil heart of unbelief, right? Because you've got unbelief, right, which can change once, once they, they get more information. If, you know, maybe they can persuade them. But a, a hard heart is, I ain't changing it, no matter what. And, and that's, that's a hard place. I, I'll tell you a story, and then, and then we'll go. We'll pick this up a little bit more next week. Uh, but there was, a, uh, there was a pastor, and Brother Hagin was traveling as a minister. One pastor, you know, he, you know uh, our circles, right? It's not that we, it's exclusive or anything, but our circles are, you know, faith people, healing people, you know, tongue-talking people. You know, it's kind of our circles. And, uh, and you know, we like, I like our circles because there are good things in our circle, right? Uh, but this one pastor, you know, he kind of preached against faith and kind of preached against healing and, you know, a lot of things that Brother Hagin kind of stood for. But one day he got an invitation. Uh, Brother Hagin got an invitation from the pastor to come preach at my church, which is really odd because why do you want me to church? You don't even believe this stuff I believe, right? Why do you want me to come? And the Lord said, you go. I'm like, okay. So he went and his normal schedule was two services a day, morning service, evening service. And, and a lot of times, you know, back in the day, he'd do, be at the church for two, three weeks. Sometimes as long as eight weeks, he'd be at a church. Uh, and he said, uh, another time he said that uh, most of the greatest miracles only happened once you got to work week three and beyond. And so, you know, it's uh, maybe one of these days we'll get to where we, you want to have a three-week meeting. I'd love to have a three-week meeting, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, but he went. And so, the, but the pastor didn't go to the services. Why aren't you going to, you know, the morning service? wouldn't even show up the morning services. The morning services were on a healing. Uh, anybody wouldn't even show up at his own church. Uh, and... Um, and so his, uh, his wife, the pastor's wife, came to Brother Hagin and said, hey, would you talk to my pastor, to my husband, tell him to come to the services, you know? Uh, and he said, well, why are you asking me to do that? She said, well, she said, I don't, I, I, the Lord hasn't said anything, but I just, I just sense if he doesn't go, he's going to die. And he just needs to go to these healing classes you're teaching. Uh, and and uh, Brother Hagin said, well, as a matter of fact, the Lord told me that uh, if he doesn't come to these services, he's going to die. So Brother Hagin went anyway, went to the pastor. Hey, you know, um, why would you come to the services? He said, Brother Hagin, he said, he said, for many years, he said, I've taught uh, exactly the opposite of what you're teaching, that healing is not for us today, and, um, uh, and God doesn't want to heal us. He said, but, you know, I have, I have realized uh, lately that, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. He said, uh, he said, but I can't come to the services because if I come to your services... I'll have to admit to everybody that I, was, that I was wrong. And he said, I'd rather die than admit that I was wrong. Now, that's not only a hard heart, it's also stupid, right? I mean, because oftentimes stupid people have hard hearts, right? Uh, maybe just in one area, but that's stupid, right? You'd rather die than admit that you're wrong. I mean, you know, from my perspective, every day I breathe, I'm wrong. Because if I don't know everything that God knows, I'm wrong somewhere. If I don't believe everything the Word of God says, because I don't even know everything that it says, then I'm surely am wrong somewhere. So what's it matter if I get up and say I was wrong? What's it matter if I said, hey, what I taught last week, you know, that was wrong. I mean, are you all going to think less of me? I don't care, right? I mean, when you think less of me, then you get up here and do this. You know, see how it goes with that, right? Uh, and so uh, we're all wrong. We're always going to be wrong. Amen? 
And I live that way every day. You know, I believe everything that I believe is 100% right until I get more information. And then if I get more information tomorrow, they're like, oh, well, I'll adjust that and tweak that and make that better and believe that that I didn't believe yesterday. And, but this pastor said I'd rather die than, than to admit that I was wrong. And the Sunday after the last service that Brother Hagen preached at his, at his service, at his church, he died in the pulpit, just fell dead right there in the pulpit. Uh, and see, that's a hard heart. That's, you know what's right. You, you know that that should be th- that way, but I, I am not going to do it. See, an unbelief says it's, not, it's just wrong, but a hard heart says, I know it's right, I ain't doing it. Uh, and, and that's, now, that's a church, that's a Christian, right? How many Christians do you know if you say, hey, what you're doing there is wrong? I know it's wrong, I'm doing it anyway. It's a hard heart. Uh, and, and that's worse than an evil heart of unbelief, amen, from the Lord's perspective. Uh, as the Lord said, that's provoking to Him. And so, uh, now we'll look at a couple more things. Because, you know, it's easy to, these things are easy to fix. Yeah, oh, it's so hard to fix. No, you just decide. Because an evil heart of unbelief, it's just a decision. A hard heart, it's just a decision. Okay, I'm going to choose to yield to that. Now, the first time, uh, you, you ever sat still for a long time? All your joints get kind of hardened up, you know, and you're sitting all day long, and you, you binge watch, you know, all, all, all 87 episodes of some new show or something, and, and you got to get up and move, and it's like, Everything kind of painful, you know, when you first get it. No one's ever done that, right? Like, wow. Uh, you hadn't lived until you've watched like 18 episodes of some show all back to back, right? Because after like the, about the ninth episode, the thing comes on and says, are you still there? Because you haven't moved, right? And, and you're watching, beeping at you, get up, right? Do something, you know, move. Uh, and, and so, uh, but it's all kind of stiff. And sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're getting out of a hard heart, it feels a little stiff. But after you move around a little bit, everything gets, gets a little bit more fluid. It's not so bad. Amen. And, and it's just a decision. Lord, when I see that, that what, I'm, what I believe or what I say, what I'm doing is wrong, then, then I'll change. And the first time, it'll be really hard if you're not used to doing that. For me, it's easy. When the Lord says you're wrong, oh, yeah, no problem, Lord. I'll change. You, know, what, you don't want to change right now? No problem. You know, you get used to it. You get trained it when the Lord shows you because he shows me all the time I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, it's just so, so often. It's like, wow, Lord, do I do anything right at all? Uh, I'm sure I, do, I did one thing right one time. Uh, I mean, I, didn't, I married Chris. That had to be the right thing, right? So I had to do one thing good. Uh, and so, uh, so you know, it, it, it can be a little painful changing, but it's worth the effort, amen? Because it, the goal is to get to a pure heart. You get a pure heart, man, everything's good, amen? So we'll talk a little bit more this next week and because um, uh, we don't want to be so, you know, just beating on people because we're not trying to beat up anybody at all. These are all things that the word of God teaches that a, a child of God, a Christian can experience if they choose to. Amen. And the, the good news is it's always your choice. Choice to be that way. Choice not to be that way. Simple as simple as getting fries with it. It's not hard. It's just a choice. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for being good to us, blessing us. And, Father, although you you you. Uh, we're chastising the people of God, even in the book of Hebrews and in, uh, in the book of Mark, Father, about the condition of their heart. Uh, there's still always a path back to you, Father. We can repent and, and change and correct our thinking, Father. No problem. Uh, and Lord, we know that uh, as we do those things, that you will always bless us. Because you said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So there's always blessing in following your obedience of the word of God. And Father, we commit ourselves to, as we see in your word things that we're doing that need to change and need to be adjusted. Father, we choose to do that uh, so that we can live in the fullness of your blessing, Father. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, praise God. Well, let's, uh, 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 let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And what we'll find out next week is, you know, even the apostles had to deal with some of these things. It wasn't the, these aren't not just the terrible people in the church, you know. Basically, everybody deals with these things. Amen? So, in that, in that respect, it's good, right? Uh, it's only good because misery loves company, right? Well, yeah, you're as bad as I am, aren't you? Yep, yep. So, anyway, uh, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and we receive the offering. And so, don't forget, we have, uh, I keep looking over there, because that's where the clock was for, you know, 10 years. It's not over there anymore, so. Uh, but um, uh, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And, um, and then it's just a few weeks before um, uh, Reverend Hutton comes with us. Is it two weeks? Wow, two weeks, wow. Uh, the church should be done by then, right? So uh, the church is, is, is at least done enough that uh, I'm, I'm fine with having other people come in there now. So, um, And I was going to ask you guys, uh, we've had some requests to, to have like an open house one evening, maybe like on a Thursday night. You guys want to do that for the church building? And just Because it's an older building and people, you know, people like old stuff, you know, like old rafters that we can't paint, right? Uh, and so uh, we may do that, just have a, a little get-together and a, open it up for the community and put it on Facebook or something, and we'll see if anybody shows up. Uh, you know, but I think we've had a lot of people interested in seeing what the church looks like. So uh, I Because I think it's kind of cool, you know, the old building and, and uh, been renovated like this. So um, all right, we'll let you know when we decide to do that. So we'll be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week in the Lord, and you're dismissed.